There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back uh, another week. Um, these weeks fly by quickly, don't they? Um, this is this is my 484th episode, so I'm realizing that we're not too far away from 500 in the new year, and uh, it's it's been a, an amazing experience to uh, to to do this show for all those years, and um, and I think for me, I'm still meeting new people and, uh, and learning new ideas um, around how to elevate your business and elevate your thinking, and also. For me, this is all about us contributing to a better world. So whatever you're doing, if you're interested in contributing to a better world through your work, doing work in a, in a, in a better way, a more effective way, in a more kind way, um, and uh, you're delivering great results, but not doing that uh, to the detriment of, uh, of the rest of the planet and the people on it, and uh, et cetera, then you're at the right place uh, with the Business Elevation Show. Last week, we had on the show Matthew Manos. Uh, and Matthew was great guest. I really loved talking to Matthew last week. He was uh, from uh, Los Angeles. He's uh, a fascinating uh, young fellow, and I say young. I'm not didn't quite. I don't quite know how old he is. I suspect he's probably in his thirties. Um, but what he's gone and done is created a, an amazing kind of branding agency uh, with some really big uh, brand customers like NASA and Google and Apple and those sorts of uh, organizations. However, what he does is he he does fifty percent of his work for free for uh, for nonprofits. So he's very very philanthropical. Forbes described him as uh, they weren't sure whether he was a genius or a uh, or crazy. Um, but he came out with some great um, thoughts last week on how to how to develop um, vision. Uh, he's even working on a hundred year vision with one client um, planning. Uh, and we talked about philanthropy, and I realized at the end of that interview that uh, Matthew was far from crazy. I think he's probably in that um, in that genius uh, in that genius zone and contributing to a better world. And that's the kind of people that we I love to talk to. Um, had a, a fascinating week this week. I don't know if any of you heard a course called Landmark. I'm, I have nothing to do with it except I did the course when I was um, 26 years ago now. And it had a huge impact on my life, taking that time to look into yourself and um, and to to gain insight into yourself such that uh, you can shift and move your beliefs and values. And I came out of that program um, on fire, actually, and my career and life went through the roof. And I, I introduced some clients this week to it. And it was brilliant to see that experience when they were going into an immersive experience so what i would say is you know, do what it takes to get out of the way of yourself and move move forward so today we're going to talk about uh we're going to talk about the great resignation oh my word the great resignation well some of you will have heard of that because the pandemic fueled a perfect employment storm where lots of people decided to leave uh, their roles change companies some people retired and it's uh it created a really 
uh, challenging time for many organizations and some of the ones I work with because I do leadership and team development and help uh, develop uh, organizations as does my guest today uh, Kate um you know we've been working with people around this and it it is um, fascinating when you're trying to attract some um, good talent you're trying to retain it and people are thinking well actually you know I'm thinking about my well-being now I'm oh I, I need to get a better job inflation's moving quickly I need to earn more money etc so we're going to talk about that today. My guest, Kate Thomas, is the founder and director of Newland Rock. Uh, she Newland Rock is a leadership effectiveness advisory. She focuses on developing talent and leadership effectiveness. She utilizes assessment, um, coaching, well-being solutions. And she does that internationally. Uh, she's worked um, really, uh, spent a lot of time in different parts of the globe, particularly Asia and, and Australia, uh, and was introduced to me by a friend of the show, Damien Kilhane. So thank you, Damien. As somebody who um, really is um, at the cutting edge of, of the work that she does, and, um, and therefore I thought it'd be great to talk to her. I've enjoyed my conversations with the to to date. So a big welcome to Kate Thomas. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me, me too, me too, and uh, hopefully we can make light of, uh, of, of a gloomy, gloomy topic for many today, <laughs> and to, to a certain extent. Um, though it's a serious one, isn't it? Um, so, Kate, tell us a little bit. Tell us a bit, a little bit about your sort of background. Where did you come from? I, I, uh, people may may hear a slight, slight accent in your mm-hmm. articulate voice. Um, there, tell us a little bit about that, and uh, and how you you know, how you came to do what you came to do, but probably also stopping at the three unprecedented years we've just had. <laughs> well, maybe I should keep um, keep our listeners guessing um, in terms of where I'm from. I, I often confuse people with my accent because you mentioned earlier, um, I have had the good fortune of working and living in several places around the world, but um, originally from the green, green grass of home, which is uh, South Wales in the UK, and um, actually, I can um, I can actually see Wales from my window. Um, in that uh, we moved uh, probably uh, about six months ago, and I'm now living closer than I've ever lived for about twenty years to my homeland. Fantastic! And then, how, what does it feel like to be back oh, near home? Well, Mm, back back that's mm, am I back I'm not sure if I'm back I can see it (laughs) (laughs) um what does it feel like do you know it feels very fulfilling um it feels as though I'm at a place personally where I'm able to really reflect and kind of do that 360 view of going wow what a journey so far and um here I am looking out onto the coast looking out onto Wales and thinking it's been a pretty good ride well, that's good. That's good. Mm. And, and and how how was that that experience over the last three years with the pandemic for you? Oh well, you know, like like everyone, it was it was pretty big, wasn't it? We all went through our own personal journey. Actually, I think that if you were to sit around a table with a group of friends, everyone would come at it from from something different, but maybe have something in common as well which was it brought it brought a sense of change and for me personally life changed life changed considerably um when the pandemic hit and over the last three years so you know the it it brought it brought something that I wasn't expecting um it brought a change of focus for me and my career um it was a bit unsettling at first I was like wow okay right and um 
But equally, it brought the opportunity to reset. Actually, we're here to talk about the great resignation, and I sometimes call it the great reset. You know, the pandemic created an opportunity for space and the opportunity to think about, well, what is it that I want my career to be? What is it that I want to do in my work? And and it pretty much was the catalyst of me braving my own gig, setting up my own consultancy and, and really flying the flag for what is leadership effectiveness in organizations that are going through change, you know, and, um, I suppose if the pandemic hadn't have happened, I sometimes wonder, would I be here now doing what I'm doing? And I like to think I'm a bit bit, uh, bit fatalist in some ways. I, I do think that, you know, you end up where you are at the time that you're meant to be there. Um, and so here I am um, now two years into having my own organization and really enjoying um, the different approach that I'm able to have as a result of driving my own business. Um, it's a bit more immersive when you are working with clients directly yourself. I really do feel like I'm able to get under the skin of what leaders are needing or organizations are needing and um, be on the journey with them as well. So, so, so you, worked, you, you worked in, um, in, in Asia quite a bit, didn't you, and uh, in Australia. Um, so what, what, what took you there and what did you learn that you've been able to bring back to your, your work now? Yeah, um, well, what took me there? Actually, a personal adventure. Um, it was, quite honestly, a 30th birthday present to myself. I was at a point in my life where I thought, right, if I'm going to go off and experience something different and new, and at the time I'd been living and working in Ireland through the Celtic Tiger days, having an absolute blast of a time, um, I realized come approaching my 30th that if I didn't do it, then I was probably not going to do it at all. So that's actually what spiraled um, the, the, the move um, to physically say, OK, let's go and do a bit of travel. Let's actually take a year out. Um, that was the initial plan. Take a year out and just go and explore, which I did do. Um, but I landed in Australia and... Um, like many people, um, it was my second visit, actually, to Australia. My parents had emigrated there when I was a child. So they were very brave oh. in their early 20s, um, mm. up sticks and moving with me as a, as a young girl. But, you know, returning as an adult, um, it was a beautiful country. It is a beautiful country. And I spent quite a bit of time there having a really good adventure. But, you know, work for me has always been, it's an important part of my identity. I really do enjoy the work that I do. And I've always been in a talent strategy space. So I suppose being in Australia and then forming an Asia Pacific role, it was for me probably the first time that I had really experienced its breadth of difference that we can have just as an individual how we how we show up with each other how we learn how we grow it, it was it was kind of like this melting pot of personal learning um, and then from a sort of consulting perspective um, I just thoroughly enjoyed the diversity that I was being exposed to uh, and that's not just cultural diversity that was very much working with organizations that were really at the cutting edge of trying to do something different, growing at, you know, considerable speed um, and, you know, having to be agile in how they were doing it. So, you know, personally, it was a very enriching phase in my life and my career. And um, 
very pleased to say that um, I, I'm still able to touch that. You know, I'm, I still have that access to, to a number of those relationships now. So I haven't said goodbye. I've just said it might be just a little bit longer before I see you next time. <laughs> so were you, were you in Asia when the pandemic struck or were you back in the UK? Oh, no, I was back in the UK. I'd only actually returned. I'd been in the UK for about four or five years um, when the pandemic hit. And I would probably say that would mean the first sort of settled <laughs> period of time. Um, you know, I, I grew up, bought a house, <laughs> um, got the dog, <laughs> all those things, and was feeling reasonably settled. And then the pandemic said, hello. So I was in London. Um, I was living in London um, when the pandemic came upon us all. Mm. And are your parents in Australia or did they, uh, did they come back? They came back. Yeah, they came back. Um, they were in Australia for probably about the first 10 years of my life. Um, and then we came back to the UK. So I suppose my, you know, I, I remember the childhood things. My memories of my childhood has a combination of Australia and, and, and more the UK. Yeah, they're back here in the UK as well. And did you, did you find, I've, I've been to, spent some time in Australia as well and worked there and visited it, visited it since and I always felt with it a little bit like I loved Australia, but when I was in Australia, I missed things about home. And then when I was home, I missed things about <laughs> Australia. And I could have, I have would have liked to sort of blend between the two, but you couldn't have that. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'm often asked, you know, where's your favourite place that you've lived, Kate? And um, I, I'll reply something similar to what you just said, this blend. You know, I, if I could take parts of three or four different places, you know, combine, combine the energy of the outside lifestyle of Australia, the beauty of, of its nature with maybe the vibrancy that you get in Hong Kong and the sophistication of Singapore I think then you've got you know this this mm. fantastic um place but look there's no perfect place it just really is where your life takes you I think yeah yeah so tell us let's talk about the great resignation then so you know what is it from your perspective what are, what are the facts mm. uh, and uh you know should people be worrying about it well it's a real thing, I suppose, first and foremost, it is a real thing, but what you might call it and how you interpret it can be somewhat different. As I mentioned, you know, just a moment ago, you know, it, is it the great reset? Was it the great reveal? Was it the great refresh? And I'm using some terms that came up from my own research when I was speaking with several experts. And, you know, we all kind of concluded that whichever way you slice and dice the great resignation, what's at the core is people and people being in a place in their lives where they feel completely turned upside down. And um, it really did cause it caused change, it caused worry, um, but it also brought us an opportunity to just stop. We were forced to stop. Like it or not, great resignation meant that we were, or the pandemic meant that we were forced to stop. So this great resignation is the, the knock-on effect of that. People, when they were forced to stop, they reset and they started to really consider what it is that they wanted for their lives. Yeah. Um, and how it might be that they'd approach it differently. I mean, that was my, that's been my experience and equally the same in organizations. And great resignation 
it's kind of been a catalyst for businesses to just realign on where they put their talent strategy and how they prioritize their people. So, you know, friends or foe, it's, it, it's done something. That's yeah. for sure. And it's a bit of a, a bit of a divide here because, because I, you know, people realized that many, not everybody, but a number of people realized that actually they preferred to work from home. Mm-hmm. and uh, felt they could balance their life more, get the kids to get, you know, deal with the kids and, uh, and uh, you know, have time for exercise, walking the, walking the dog in the morning a bit easier and but not traveling in. And then em- employers started to embrace that. But then the, the, a little the bit of a divide I've certainly found is that, you know, employers not necessarily trusting people working from home and realizing it's harder to maintain a culture when people work from home. Um, so a bit, a bit of tension there, I kind of, I've experienced I don't know if you've experienced the same yeah very much so that tension and I think when you talk about trust such a fundamental thing whether it's hybrid working or not even just when you look at how people work with each other um, we we 100% need that foundation of trust but we also have to remember that how we get things done in the workplace that there is for some things that we have to be face-to-face. We have a better connection with people when we're able to physically be in the room. So the conversations I'm having with clients is more around how do you now adjust to this? What's the pull factor that you can provide for people to think it's worthwhile them coming in the office? Because what I do here, you come in, you sit at your desk and you press go on Zoom. Um, (laughs) And that (laughs) defeats the purpose, surely, right? So if I'm in the office, what have you got for me? Why am I here? Yes. That I think is the key. It's a really good question. That well, we're going to leave um, this section on on that note. It's a great question that to ask is uh, why am I here? What 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 why? What is the pull factor? Uh, how do we make it special for people to come into the office? So they want to be together. They want to uh, get in the car, meet, and uh, and and connect. Um, mm. So we'll after the break, we'll have a look at because uh, Kate has done a lot of talking to a lot of experts on this about the Great Resignation. And there were some key things that uh, that was were identified from that work um, around the you know, things that need to be considered. Um, so we'll have a, look at, have a look at that in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific. Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi there, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Kate Thomas. And and before we go into uh, looking at the things we need to consider to retain our employees, uh, Kate, um, have you got any stats around the, the Great Resignation? You know, what what, what actually happened mm. in 2000, 2000 2001 uh, that uh, led to this being called the Great Resignation? Yeah, do you know, when, when you look at the figures um, and, and what's come out, it's quite astonishing, actually, because sometimes when you hear about things like the Great Resignation, you can wonder whether it's just a bit of a press push, you know, because it sells stories yes. in the newspaper kind of have a headline. Um, and we can all start to sort of hang on to those headlines and not always have some of the true facts behind them. Um, the, the, the statistics I've looked at, um, Harvard Business Review brought out um, some figures, which I thought were like, wow, okay. Globally, 47 people, and the key on this one is voluntarily left their job during 40, the pandemic. 47 million. 47 million people yeah. voluntarily left their job in the pandemic. And it, it goes on to talk about how, for the first time, in, in a percentage of people deciding to leave without anything clear to go to, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that's somebody taking such a, a personal choice about how they wanted to live or what might have been going on for them because of the pandemic and saying, I, I actually don't want to do this anymore and I'm going to step away without anything secure to go to. Um, And in that um, was a high percentage of experts, you know, experienced people who were maybe um, five years out, six, seven years out to retiring. So you think about, you know, that that knowledge um, that organizations might have if they've got that sort of tenure with their people and those that were close ish to retiring, quite a high percentage thought, well, I'll just do it now. Um, and I'll, I'll make that decision far earlier than I thought I would. 
So, you know, there was, there, there was quite a lot, um, quite a lot of movement. And, you know, if you follow LinkedIn, if any of your uh, listeners are on LinkedIn, most of us are in some kind of business capacity, you might have noticed that, you know, there was a flurry of, you know, congratulations on your new role or, hey, heads up, I'm moving into a new role. There was a lot of movement that mm. really kind of came up um certainly the the first few quarters of this year and I'm seeing a flurry again um of that movement I want to I'm, I'm putting my hands up and I'm letting you know I have moved into a new job um and so you know for an organization that's um that's a lot of cost that uh, that it, that that's being um has been experienced you know as a result of people leaving and therefore as a result of having to backfill etc putting a lot of strain on organizations when they have already had a heap of strain from what the pandemic brought them bit of a double whammy yeah unless you're a recruitment firm then it's been quite helpful probably <laughs> well i suppose i think um it depends i think in terms of what you specialize in i also um, know from some uh good recruitment experts that there was also a bit of an increase in a particular level of person being let go of the organization and that mm -hmm. level finding it quite hard to get back in because their salary is of a particular space that is is you know you, you've got to have a good strategy in place to make that hiring decision so mm. I think maybe it depends where you sit in the recruitment world um if you're in that executive search space it would depend on your niche um and if you're maybe at maybe that mid manager level you might have found yourself quite busy with a lot of activity going on but you know yeah. um I think it all depends on sectors as well I mean what, what yeah. did you see Chris and you know you you, you have these conversations with your clients what, what came yeah. up? Well, for me, I've spent a lot of time since the pandemic working in the insurance space. So I, I worked with a lot of clients in that sector, and and they've lots of people have uh, have moved for higher salaries. Mm. I think also for you know well being comes into it as well. And and if I can work from home, that makes a difference. So I can work from home for two days out of. Uh, out of five, that makes a difference. Uh, however, there's been a lot of activity from uh, consultants uh, recruiting and attracting people in who are on you know lower salaries and paying them more, and uh, that that's uh, all fine. But for those companies who can't quite afford those levels of salary uh, to keep the staff it, uh, and to pay them more, it's been quite tough, really, um, mm. very tough. And so there's been quite a skill shortage in that sector. It's not the most glamorous sector to work in. So there's probably a few who maybe left it too but it's certainly one with lots of opportunities so yeah a lot, lot a lot of movement and 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 challenge finding suitable candidates for roles mm. it's um, interesting you say about the higher salaries because if we're talking about figures and different research papers out there there was also a recent paper brought out by McKinsey and they were talking about what um talent are looking for um, and what's drawing people um, to leave their roles and move on to, to other roles. And to your point around this hybrid way of working or this opportunity to work from home, it was really interesting to see that that was up there as a driver. Um, it was in the top 20 per se, but it wasn't in the top, top percentile of mm. that list. Yeah. What was in that list was the higher salaries um, and the career advancement. 
Um, and and I, when I read that paper, I thought to myself, that really just talks to our needs as human beings. You know, intrinsically, mm. we want to feel as though we're, we're doing a good job in the work that we do, irrespective of your level. We turn up to work to, to work well. That's why we go. Most of us want to do a good job. And when we're doing a good job, we want to feel rewarded. And when we're not feeling rewarded, if we're not getting career advancement as part of our reward mechanisms, we start to feel a lack of fulfillment. And so we start mm. thinking, okay, there must be something else out there. And what was interesting for me to look at, because there's been so much talk about working from home, um, because of what we experienced through the pandemic, it basically confirmed that the working from home is a great benefit. But if you have the right salaries in place and you have the right people strategies in place, like learning development and advancement, your people stay. So the environmental factors are still really important for organizations um, as they come out of the great resignation, but equally they come out of that and they're faced with what we've got in front of us now with rising inflation costs. You know, we're we're now looking at another challenge for organizations. So Mm, we've only just come up for air and um, leaders are now looking at another challenge to navigate. That's pretty tricky. I just, I think, I think, um, you, right, and the, going to that point about working from home, what I realised with my clients uh, too is that that um, there's only a, only a percentage of people have actually got, and um, maybe thirty, forty percent have actually got a a really nice environment to work from home. Mm. So you know, if you if you've got a house with lots of kids, or you're you're, you're sharing with uh, you know other other young professionals. Uh, you, or your home is very small and uh, it's by a noisy road or something like that, then actually people would rather go and work in an office. It's um, It was more those with a very comfortable um, home space environment with the space to have a, have an office and, and um, uh, you know, and, and, and enjoy being at home that want to, want to do that. So it's not mm. everybody. It's not for everybody at, at all. Um, it's interesting because it's kind of we need the right environment to work effectively right we need to feel that we're in a space that allows us to be creative allows us to do good work and that's the same for whether we're at home or whether we're in the office I think it's really interesting when you think about and, and you talk about people who are actually at home going there's loads going on behind me I can't possibly mm. think straight Right. Um, And you asked me earlier about what I learned when I was, um, you know, working overseas and in Asia in particular, um, you've got a lot of high rise. um, You've got that apartment complex living set up. You've got a lot of families living together. Um, So that that level of um, even leaders, you know, if you're in Hong Kong, most people are in condos and they are nice condos. They've got great views, but they are small and they're very expensive. So you need your office. You need to go to your office environment to work. Um, We don't all have space around us, like you say, to create this really nice home experience. So I think organizations need to be aware of that as well. And so, you know, the pull factor that we we talked about earlier is also what's this work environment that you're creating for me? Um, And I think, you know, the likes of Google were well aware of the impact of a work environment you know, numerous years ago um, in how they were pulling people into their offices with, you know, gamification. And uh, I think you can get your hair done. You can you can go and have a massage. You can go and take a, a, a power nap to think more clearly. 
if organizations are thinking along those lines of what the environment is like, the pull to go, like I want to be there, it's going to be even stronger, yes. I would say. It is. I've got, I've got a client right now and they're they're busy transforming their office and decorating it and uh, um, putting in new new cupboards and things like that. And the, the, the staff are going, you know, as, as each new whiter wall suddenly appears, they're getting excited about it. It's uh, nice. You know, they're, they're, they're realizing that pull factor is is very important and, and will work more effectively if there's a nice, a nice, um, clean uh, and uh, engaging workspace. So tell me, um, your your report that you, you created after doing all of your research, there were several key um, recommendations that you had in terms of uh, companies addressing this. And the first one I, I noted in there, it was um, lean into your people. What did you mean by that? Yeah, you know, it, it kind of talks to one of those points that you'd mentioned at the start around that whole trust piece as well. You know, leaning into our people, what was coming up is this importance of really understanding and taking the time to know what it is that people in the organization need and leaning into them in a way that they feel heard and leaning into them in a way that they feel like a priority. Um, they are the individuals that make the business happen and when you're leaning in you're you're tapping into that discretionary effort which all organizations really need right now you know whether they're leaner by size or their profit is looking um, off because pricing has increased significantly we need that discretionary effort so it talked a lot about that people factor people in the organization being front and center of your decision making um, it also talked about this concept of purpose. And so by leaning into your people, you want to really make sure that the why they're there is understood. Yes, they're there for a paycheck. Yeah, we've all got our basic needs in life to be met. But there's also by leaning in, we're making sure that they understand the purposeful work that they're doing. You know, and that's a message then to organizations around how they're framing their story and how they're really creating the pull factor through purposeful leadership. Um, it's really important and um, something that I'm seeing can, can significantly uh, differentiate talent retention um, in particular. And we had quite a lot of insights that came from the research, but that lean in, um, I think that was kind of a, a step change. Um, for organizations to to recognize the importance of the people in their business well, one, one thing that really has became clear for me over the last six 12 months is uh, the importance of leaning in but leaning in uh, and uh, not not making change to your people or for your for your people doing it with them mm. um, uh, making that change together in in kind of partnership really not so not doing two doing it with um and I think that's quite an interesting shift around that it's a really nice shift and again I think it talks to that trust doesn't it because mm. if we're going to have this partnership and we're going to do it together I'm I'm recognizing that I trust you and I'm recognizing that your needs and wants are are really important and so I'm hearing you I'm valuing you and, you know, for me, that then is saying as an organization that your talent strategy is talking to your people need strategy. 
Yes. Right? You know, those two pillars um, in a business, really, there are two pillars. There are what the organization is strategically trying to gain and the people in the business that are with you to make that happen. That alignment or that partnership, as you say, when that's there, gosh, that's that's strong. That then is a force to really work together and do great things. But when you have those two pillars that are working in silo and, you know, strategy is being done by all the strategists and then the people are sort of there to get it done and they're thinking, well, I don't know how I connect to that. A partnership is broken or at least it, it didn't form in the first place. Yeah. So I, I, I really like that, um, that notion. And um, I know a lot of organizations are shifting in how they approach this. And, and I, what I have observed is that what the great resignation has done is put the people's strategy onto the boardroom table. And it's a conversation that's happening at the most senior ends of the organization. And therefore for your HR experts who sit internal, this is what they've been looking for, right? They have wanted this investment in their people. Mm. So there's some good, there are, there is some good that can come out of such significant shifts in our lives. And and what about because you've mentioned this too in your your report about pay and reward, mm. so so um, and I think you, you know you talk you talked you talked in there about about uh, the importance of paying market salary and then maybe looking at other things. But I, I'm also mindful that uh, I've w- worked with uh, one or two clients who uh, and still do who actually struggle to to pay market salary. So how how should we how should we work with pay and reward to keep people uh, motivated and retain them and loyal even if we can't pay the market rate yeah look you know pay and reward is is a conversation that will be important at all stages in an organization and their growth and what's going on in external challenges and you know I, I would say back you can you can even be the highest paid organization and you'll still lose your people if you're not creating the right environment that brings out the best in people and back to that pull factor that they want to be there. Um, But there's this whole, when it comes to reward, what we were talking about was making sure that the base pay was good enough that it became off the table. So it wasn't significantly below market rate. Because when it is significantly below, you you know that you're at risk. And if it is significantly below, it's even more important to have all this other important stuff around your people strategy being as loud as possible. You know, so you are really creating that partnership environment. People feel like they're in it with you. They've got clear career paths. They know how they contribute to the strategy. They know how they can develop and they have access to opportunities to develop. And that doesn't always mean spending money. And we can be quite uh, creative in our thinking and, and have opportunities to learn from other departments or go on stretch assignments. It doesn't mean that you have to put a formal leadership development program and experts like you and I, Chris, come in and, and, and help with that. So if, if an organization can't financially reward their people with a strong enough base salary, they then don't have the funds to go down that other route as well. So be creative um, with the environment that you're creating and have fun, the the fun factor. So there will be times and, you know, there will be times where salary isn't going to be as high as maybe other organizations, but there are things we can do. What what, what, uh, really something I found 
interesting this year I did was doing um a little cultural work with an organization um and uh we were transforming the culture and uh, undertook a, a cultural diagnostic survey yeah. and what came out of it was was quite fascinating in that the reason uh, I realized the reason that people young young people were in that organization and and it was actually they were prepared to prepare to accept salaries that may not be as high as they could get elsewhere because the bonds and the, and the friendships with their peer group were so strong, uh, and that's what they they loved that they loved that that they were there, you know there together and and people were nice and they could have a laugh and they could have a joke and they could play play you know um, maybe play a game of pool at break or or darts or something like that together. Um, that was really important. That's really nice, isn't it? I think that also talks to the sort of mindset of what work is to us it has been shifting for quite some time. You know, that's sort of always on, always available. That equally also means that I'm I'm with this organization and I really want to be part of its fabric. And when I feel that and I'm building great relationships and I've got those friendships, I'm in it with you. We're together. That's very powerful. And when a culture can be created in that way, and that comes from leadership as well as um, you know, individuals, and I call it on the shop floor, all talking to each other, all being part of it, the celebration of that. I think that's really powerful. But I think, yeah, I think that for me talks to the fact that our mindset of work and what we get from work, um, it's not a, a stop start or on off. You know, we are connected to our work in a more immersive way, maybe, um, than we might have been before. So, okay, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, let's talk a little bit about sort of talent strategy. Um, I think um, what what should our strategy be uh, to ensure that we keep our people loyal and retain them um, or, or, and or attract people into our organisation. Um, so we'll, we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Kate Thomas, and we're talking about the Great Resignation. And uh, Kate, uh, we were talking before the break a bit about a bit about rewards. We were talking about uh, about leaning into your people. Uh, any thoughts around um, sort of strategy that for your talent? You know, what have, what have been insights that maybe you've gained from working with your clients about the sort of strategies they're adopting to uh, to minimise risk and open up opportunity here? Mm. One strategy, um, an important one, is uh, don't panic. Yep. You know, with panic can become uh, some rash decision-making and possibly going down a path that isn't aligned to what your organization is about. Um, but, you know, don't panic. Um, there are always things that an organization can do. There are always levers to pull. And I alluded to this one earlier, and we talked a little bit about it, but that that purpose, that value um, that the organization stands for, making sure that that's clearly articulated. And and that really does come from your leaders. And and sometimes leaders can need need a bit of a nudge um, to sort of get out of the detail and remember to have that more visionary um, perspective and visionary conversation with people. And, you know, that first and foremost can really help ensure that people feel part of this to your point around partnership. And they also feel connected, Um, sometimes not connected. You know, they realize actually this purpose and these values in this business, they're not aligned to me. Ah, That's okay. Um, But making sure that the majority of your, your talent are aware of what you stand for and know how they can be part of it, a really important piece. Um, I'd say in addition to that, you know, what we talked about earlier around making sure there are some clear paths for career, making sure that you've got the leadership development or people development options in your business communicated and accessible to people, you know, so that is that employee value proposition. What, what, what's here for me? Um, how do I advance? How do I grow? How do I gain exposure by maybe a project or a stretch assignment or a network that you can sponsor me to be part of? Mm. How do I feel rewarded beyond the financials in, in, this, in this environment that I'm in? And, and I think as well, when, when, when we're in a space where we need to look at our talent, we also need to make sure that we are clear on what success now looks like. So let's not forget that the pandemic and what then occurred, the great resignation, it also shifted how business might have been 
taken place in your organization. As a result, you might have had to change gear. And so therefore, from a talent strategy point of view, what success looks like, your success profile of your people might have changed. And it's worthwhile reviewing that so that you have a clear talent attraction strategy, you are retaining the right experience and behaviors of the people in your business. Because if you have a purpose and you have a value and you have a culture in your organization, but your people don't walk the talk to that, you've got to disconnect again. So, you know, really important to kind of just take a minute and check back in that your talent strategy is talking to what has changed and therefore where you are going now. I think that that to me has been that's been a lot of conversations that I've been having with clients um, since, you know, since we've been through this period of three years of constant change in gear. And this this have you have you experienced uh, an experience I've really had is uh, too is the, the need for the senior team to change their attitudes. Mm. Uh, because uh, you, you know you can look back at what you've always done before, but there was these unprecedented times, and it requires different thinking, almost almost different rewiring, really, to yeah. to be able to cope with so much change that's going on at one you know in one you know one uh, I say foul swoop, but we we had the pandemic. We've now got massive inflationary mm. costs as as well that are starting to impact not only the supply chain but also uh, uh, just general in, general inflation um for, for for businesses for employees um there's a lot to think about there really is and there's two sides to me I, I spend most of my consulting time with senior leaders senior leadership teams and they are they are a group that have been stretched you know to the limits over these last three years and when you're in that stretch and, you know, that you're still having to deliver results, you're really wanting to support your people. You've also got your own life that is going through change. You've got all of this stuff going on. Um, making sure as well that we are, um, that we're protecting our leaders and we're really giving them the support to be the best that they can be. So, you know, we mustn't forget from a talent strategy point of view that our senior leaders need development, our senior leaders need support. And there can be a, a situation that leadership teams, and I'm observing this quite a bit, leadership teams are starting to change. So, you know, to your point around rewiring and, and um, need, and I talk about changing gear as an organization, it can mean that the leadership team are standing for different things. So, we need to also ensure that our leaders are equipped to deal with change, that they have developed, I'd like to say, stronger human skills to support their people, um, that they value the importance that people bring to the organization, whilst also making sure that they are able to roll up their sleeves when needed from an operational perspective. So there's a, there's a great need for duality right now from our mm. leaders. I would say, and um, and they are only they are human too, right? So I always say to the leaders that I that I coach, you know, remember that you've got stuff going on for yourself, and um, let's take some time out to support you. Fantastic. Hey, well, we're coming towards the end of the interview now. 
can't quite believe it. So we've only got about four minutes, something like that. And I'm just sort of in, intrigued whether you have uh, you have any because I know you love to read. Have you any any book recommendations? Have you got a you know a book or two that's changed your life or changed your thinking around business that that you would recommend to? Yeah, you know, I, I I love to read because I like to hear different perspectives, right? So I like to be <laughs> tested <laughs> and I love to learn. Um, and so I find at the moment, you know, I'm diving into books that are maybe a little bit different. And one that has got my attention quite recently, I was fortunate enough to interview the author. It's called Move. And it's the new science of body over mind. And I adore this new science because it's basically saying that from a well-being point of view, this physical strength that we all talk about in terms of, you know, I need to be healthy. It also says that if we are not physically moving our body, we're in cognitive decline. Yes. So I talk to my leaders and say, do you know what this exercise stuff? It's part of your leadership effectiveness toolkit. View it as important as a meeting with the board or meeting with your top tier customer, because if we let this slip and we remain so stagnant in the way that we work, the science is there. They were actually reducing our ability to think and create. So we need all that thinking and creating that and, and, and innovation in our worlds right now. So for me, the Caroline Williams book, Move, uh, New Science Over Body and Mind is, uh, is a number one. Brilliant. Excellent. Uh, and do you, do you, are there any particular types of books you like? Do you, do you like to read about you know, your work or do you read much more widely than that? I um I like a bit of fun um, in my reading. Certainly in the evening, I really like to switch off. <laughs> so I tend to follow something that's uh, you know completely outside of my work, and I think that's important actually. Um, and um, I like to listen, right? So you know, podcasts, audibles, um, music. Yeah, that kind of gets me in my flow. Fantastic. What uh, and, about you? What are you reading oh, right now? Oh my word, crikey! That's that's um, wasn't expecting um, <laughs> expecting that. What am I reading right now? I'm just um, I'm actually just looking for the book, oh, the science of spirituality. I'm reading at the moment, Ooh. which is actually a brilliant book. Um, yeah, it was recommended to me by one of my uh, by one of the recent guests, Tom Eddington, and uh, it, it's basically a psychologist who was uh, working with people with uh, depression uh, and realized that uh, those who uh, had you know some kind of spiritual or religious belief um were much less likely to suffer with uh, depression and i think for me what it um what it did was you know, I, I see that in organizations where you've got people it was a wonderful narrative maybe you've got uh, kind of symbols around the place that uh, engender what you what you're about where you you create a sense of fun and you create meaning then actually you get more energy um yeah. so yes yeah, so i've been really enjoying um reading that one um my next one on my list i'm about to read is change your questions change your life by marily adams i've got them next mm. to me I've got a book here by john prendergast called deep heart which has been recommended and then i've got my um i've got a book of roomy poetry that i'm trying to work work through because i was uh very inspired by um Rumi when I visited Turkey and uh, went on a little Rumi experience and interviewed some head of the whirling dervishes and a relative of Rumi and and uh, that was was amazing so I'm, I enjoy a little bit of that too so 
Sounds fantastic. I'm writing them down. So thank you for the tips. (laughs) You might enjoy enjoy one too. I've got a friend, Michael Carroll, and he's he's got books like Fearless at Work, and they're good too because he's – he practices Buddhism, but he he shows how you can utilize some um, sort of timeless teachings of Buddhism uh, to actually be more effective in the workplace. He's an ex Disney uh, vice president, I think. Wow. Um, so uh, the, other, the other book that comes to mind for me is Understanding Phonics. So my daughter oh. is four, and we are learning to read. Oh, so brilliant. it's a whole new alphabet. Did you know that it doesn't start with A B C anymore? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's taking up a little okay. bit of my time at the moment. Fantastic. I've got to go now. We've got to go now. I've got to say a huge thank you to you. I really enjoyed it today um, talking to you. Best of luck with the phonics and your daughter. And uh, if you want to find out more information um, and, um, and, and get in touch with uh, Kate, her website is newlandrock.com. You'll find more about her work there. Next week, we've got Sandy Sedgbeer. And Sandy is, is amazing. She's uh, she's an, a multiple author, multiple podcasts. Um, Resonance Marketing is one of her things. But also, she has a real kind of uh, spiritualism to um, to what she does, which is uh, got me quite fascinated, at, actually. So um, we'll, we'll talk about some of that next week about resonance marketing and also maybe bringing more spirit into your business. So do join us next week. Uh, once again, big thank you to uh, to Kate Thomas, newlandrock.com. Any questions or comments, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. Have a, have a great uh, week. Take care. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.